Keith Russell is a multi-award nominated podcaster, blogger, and founder of The Endless Spiral. He has been living with body dysmorphia disorder and generalized anxiety disorder since his early teens. Keith has been on a mission to not just tell his own story, but spark a movement where both men and women feel empowered to share their mental health experiences and also love their unique and beautiful bodies. Keith Russell, absolutely delighted to have you here on the Modern Warrior podcast. You're welcome. Yes, I've uh, come across your, your story on Instagram and I felt like it really resonated with me years when I was a teenager, the sort of uh, beliefs I had about myself, how I see myself in the mirror. You struggled with body dysmorphia for quite a long time. And as I was listening to your story, it brought up a lot of memories from my past, understanding that I was incredibly self-conscious of my image. I was bullied because I had one of my eyebrows used to stick up when I was a kid. And as you know, or maybe as you don't know, but uh, from that experience, the bullies found a flaw and completely exposed it. And that became a massive part of my identity. Every time I looked in the mirror, I would have seen this eyebrow that I hated and the hatred towards the eyebrow became hatred towards myself. And it began this spiral, which you've been on and which you've documented about, the endless spiral, which I'm looking forward to speaking to you today in in terms of how that spiral had such an impact on your life and the spiral potentially continues in your life and you've done a lot of work and you continue to do a lot of work in in order to end that spiral of shame, perhaps. So... I know there was a significant moment or experience when you were 13 standing at the side of the swimming pool and this is the first time that from your memory you you really began to become very conscious of how you looked and became very conscious of your body. Before that, do you feel there was any experiences about how you negatively seen yourself no, before it's a very similar answer. No, um, but it's, I'm just going to go back to what you said about your own self about the eyebrow and stuff. So, I I was actually lucky where I was never bullied. Mm. All of my insecurities were in like in my own head. Now I had, and I still have a bear mark on my ear. Now it's a tiny little bear mark that nobody ever notices. But for me. And this is like, just answer your question, before the swimming pool thing, obviously I've had this bear mark since I was born. I would go around thinking to myself, I may as well have a red flashing light on the side of my ear because I thought it was that noticeable. And nobody, and even today, if I say to you, have you noticed the bear mark on my ear? Probably not. Most people don't. But that was probably the only thing up until I was 13 that I would ever remember being aware of something that was to me different i wasn't different i'm not different but you as you know in your head you know you catastrophize everything everything your negative thoughts escalate 
And as you spit the spiral, it just continues and continues and continues. But from kind of up until 13, I don't ever remember feeling anything negative towards myself. I mean, I was, this was probably a few months ago at this stage, but I was in my sister's house and we were looking through old family pictures. She has all the, the albums and she had taken all the pictures out of all the albums and put them into a, a, like a wicker box or whatever it was. And we just kind of just started kind of, you know, just going through all pictures. Just We just said we just kind of have a look through them. And something kind of happened in my head. I was looking through them and something happened in her head as well. And we didn't say it to each other. And the next day we both said the same thing to each other. So as for me, as I was going through the pictures and kind of in chronological order. So as in, you know, from when I was a kid to as I was getting older and you could slowly see the smile on my face in the picture slowly start to fade. So you, I thought I was hiding things, but clearly when you look back to the pictures, you can see the happy little kid, the happy little child, not a care in the world. And as I'm starting to get older, you can actually see on my face the unhappiness. And my sister said the same when she was looking at the pictures. She sensed the same thing in the pictures. And she said, I brought it up to her the next day because we... We both felt exhausted the next day and a really emotional. And Because she had said that to me. She's like, I feel real emotional. I was like, yeah, I am the same. And we were done. We just started talking. We both picked up on the same thing. And there's another one of those pictures that's in the box. Well, it must be a copy because I think there's two. But anyway, this is probably a few years ago. I remember going into my mother's house and she had a picture of me on her fridge of when I was a kid. Probably six or seven, maybe ish I don't can't remember and I said to my mom I said, I've never seen that picture before and my mom said to me that's my favorite picture of you Keith and I go well okay and if you go onto my Instagram it's there somewhere it's there somewhere and it's basically a picture of me holding like a football and I'm only wearing a pair of shor- sh- shorts so no top brand on it was a hot hot day and I'm laughing and smiling and you can see like not a care in the world and it was funny because I said to her, like, why do you like that picture so much? And she said, just look at the smile on your face. Look at look at how happy you look. And I, then I thought to myself, from that six or seven to now, I have never, ever had a picture taken of me with my top off, ever. And I would, you know what I mean? I just, But it's funny how that's the picture she chose because she could have chosen any pictures, but it was that one. And I just thought it was kind of unusual, not unusual, but just thought it was like, Maybe there's something there as well that she had picked up on as well. But to answer your question, no, up until that time on the pool when I felt very exposed. I don't ever remember feeling anything. It was like something just went off in my head thinking, wow, you know, you're standing here and all of a sudden instead of, you know, feeling okay, you're feeling very insecure. And okay, that's probably, you know, some you can kind of say that might be a healthy thing sometimes to feel a little bit insecure or a little bit, you know, not, maybe not healthy is the wrong word, but maybe it's it's probably a lot of a lot of people will experience that. But obviously, as you know, Gavin, it's when you start to let those thoughts fester, which is what happened to me. I start to really let those thoughts fester and they got worse and worse and worse. And I started to, you know, like you were saying, but just, you know, you start looking at yourself in the mirror and you start just really analyzing yourself and the, you're, it was gone. 
went from 13 to probably about 70 and I didn't that, I done those classes and at that stage the damage was done to me I was gone at 17 I was gone like my head was gone do you know what I mean and uh yeah it was kind of like that moment so you could break my life up into different stages from 0 to 13 from 13 to 17 from 17 to probably about 40 so from 17 to 40 to me that's I class that as like a, a write off to me, I to me I lost my most of my teens to my twenties, my thirties, and to me from probably forty on is when I'm starting a new chapter in my life, a much more healthier version of me. You know, which is it's 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 sad to say that I've lost all that time, and there's a lot of things obviously I I wish I could change, but on the other hand, there's a lot of stuff I wouldn't change because I wouldn't be where the person I am now if I hadn't had to go through all of that. So in a in a distorted kind of t- type of way, you can kind of say that stuff has made you a better person. Obviously, you wouldn't. And I said this to someone exactly last night. I said I wouldn't wish how I felt on my worst enemy. I wouldn't wish that on anybody. And I obviously wish I had never gone through it. But on the other hand, I have learned so much about myself having to go through that. So obviously, it's not not much I can do about it now. So if you you know, you try and take the positives from from what you went through, it's hard. It takes a lot of a lot of self-analysis to do that, but you know, you get there in the end, hopefully, just like you are. At 17, you were gone? My where mind did, was gone. Where did you go? Into the shadows. I was gone. I, I, I remember going for therapy in my early 20s for depression. And at the very first session I went to, I remember saying to the, the therapist, she I must she, I can't remember the question she asked me, was something like, you know, how would you describe yourself or whatever? But I remember the answer I gave was I felt like a walking corpse. That's the phrase I gave her. And I'll never forget it. I felt I'm even just getting like, like hair standing up just saying that. I felt like a a walking corpse. I was literally just floating around. Just you know, my 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 mind was gone. I disliked myself so much. I didn't want to be around. I didn't want to do anything. I didn't want to see anyone. I just felt so, I don't know, so negative about myself that to me, my mind was gone. There was no coming back from that. Obviously, I was wrong. I have come back from it. But it took me a long time to get there. You know, it's like, like from... So, yeah, so when I went to therapy in my early 20s, obviously I was going through a tough time even then. But I even in the therapy, I didn't, and it helped. I mean, it really helped with the depression. But a lot of things still weren't dealt with because a lot of things I still wasn't opening up about. But it did help to talk to someone. It was amazing. I mean, she, like she and actually only a couple of years ago, I even went to find the lady. I couldn't find her. I just wanted to go back and... Obviously, she wouldn't have a clue probably who I was. It was a long, long time ago. But I always wanted to find her, reach out to her and thank her. I couldn't find her. And I still, to this day, can't find her. But um, that helped a lot. But it didn't help with the negative thoughts I said about myself because I didn't really share them in there. I don't know why. I suppose I just didn't really think too much as in about it. Maybe I just thought those other reasons for why I was feeling like this. I didn't really delve too deep into my 
own negative thoughts. Like maybe I was just saying, oh, well, maybe it's school. Maybe maybe I just didn't like swimming or maybe I felt not great around girls. God knows it wasn't or mm-hmm. family stuff. You know, all these type of things that you just automatically go to that I had just kind of nearly buried away at that stage of myself. You know, like, well, I'm like, oh, well, I look like this or, you know, it's just the way it is. What can I do? You don't like yourself. Oh, well. It does you no good. Nearly accepted or, yeah. yeah exactly. Is that, is that victim mentality that... Yeah. Yeah. And, and I've been there. I've, <clears throat> I went to therapy for the first time about 12 years ago. And at the time, I was going there for surface level issues that I was having. You know, things that were happening in my life right now mm-hmm. that this was a fault or didn't like my job or my environment or relationship or whatever it was. Yeah. And it's like, well that's happening outside of yourself. Bring that back to you, what's it bringing up for you and tapping yeah. into the emotions that are linked to the experiences that are happening in your life. Yeah. So perhaps that was what was happening for you at 17. Maybe the information there wasn't available to you at the time as well. Didn't have the awareness about it because I know mm. that it was only quite a while after that when you actually realized that it was body dysmorphia. Yeah, I mean, and here's the thing is that, and just as you say, because a similar thing happened to me. So in 2016, I went for more therapy because I had changed careers, retrained, and I had like, I suppose it's a nervous breakdown. I mean, my, but, and again, and I went for therapy and it was for anxiety and I tried to CBT and I that didn't really like that because again, that was just dealing what was here and now. I wasn't dealing with what I, I had kind of suppressed. So I didn't really like that. So then I, I went to my GP and he kind of recommended this therapist and I went to her and we were dealing with the anxiety. But of course, they can only deal with what you're telling them, right? So again, I, exactly what you said about the surface stuff, I was going in saying, oh, my anxiety's through the roof because I'm changing careers. I don't know if I can do this. I, you know, I'm going back out into the world and like, you know, and then relationships and all and money worries and all this type of stuff. You said the surface stuff that what I'm telling her about. So I wasn't again, just, I wasn't dealing with the, the deep rooted stuff again. And and I still see that same therapist today. I mean, now that's who I was. I said I, was, I had a session yesterday. It was with her. And thankfully, I actually gave her the, the, the full details now and we can we work properly on stuff. But yeah. It was like a long, long time after all of that stuff when I finally, the body dysmorphia stuff came up. But again, that was even nearly coincidental because I I started, I think I, I wrote my first blog and it was called, I mean, it was just a, called The Endless Spiral, but the actual name of the blog was How I Use Sport as an Escapism. And that's kind of when everything started to kind of unravel for me. I had never really written much before and I writ- or wrote that and I don't know why I did it that day I was working from home anyway it just came out and just all just started, started flowing out of me and then I did another one and then someone actually mentioned to me have you ever heard of the term what is dysmorphia because he'd obviously had picked up on stuff that I was mentioning and of course I had never heard that term before and I looked it up and as I you know light bulb goes off off your head and you're thinking oh my god oh my god was actually a condition for how I've been feeling all these years. Now, I know there's lots more to it than that, but it's an actual condition for the symptoms of how I've been feeling. 
you know, you're like, wow, I mean, all those negative thoughts about yourself. Okay, they're coming from somewhere else, but there's actually... So anyway, so like when I, was, I mentioned it to my, my therapist and we talked about it, and then all of a sudden once I started talking about it, we were able to go back and go, well, where's that coming from? Where's the body dysmorphia coming? And all this type of stuff. And it's just like a weight lifted off your shoulders because once I was able to kind of... Because for me, education was massive for me. I love learning, but I love learning about myself and I love working on myself because once you, I think once you see a little bit of improvement in yourself, you're like, well, I can't, I'm not going backwards. I refuse to go backwards. I'm only going in one direction now and that's forward because I don't want to live like that anymore. Do you know what I mean? You start seeing yourself in a different way and you're like, wow, is this what life is actually like? Is this what other people are like? You know, do you know what I mean? Like, I'm sure you know yeah. what I'm talking yeah. about. And all of a sudden you're like, Christ, I can actually go and live my life now yeah. without feeling all of that negativity. Now, obviously, it still comes up and I'm still dealing with it and it'll never go away. But the thing about the term, the endless spiral, was when I originally came up with that name, it was always in my mind. Like I always say, I'm surprised I didn't call one of my children the endless spiral <laughs> because it was a term that was always there for me. But I used to associate that with, like, it was very negative. So... I always felt I was caught in this endless spiral of negativity, negative thoughts, you know, not liking yourself, you know, get obsessed with food, get obsessed with diet, get obsessed with working out. That doesn't work. Back to hating yourself. And you just felt I was always caught in this endless spiral. Now I look at it in a completely different way. And now the endless spiral to me is a positive thing. So I look at it now as I'm in an endless spiral of kind of the opposite of that, as in I'm going forward. If I have to go back a little bit, that's okay. But I know I'm going forward and I don't mind it now. So I look at it in a completely different way. Like even the, the first blog I said, I wrote about when I use, how I use sports as, as an escapism. I reread it only a while ago and I, re, I read it in a completely different headspace. So when I read it back again, it was like, to me, I would have called it how I use sport as an avoidance, not as an escapism. It was, but it was an avoidance. I was avoiding everything. And to me, even just being able to recognize that straight away, you're just kind of like, wow. Yeah. You, just, you look at things in a, such a more positive way. And, you know, it just yeah. feels like a weight lifted off your shoulders. And you can kind of go, you just get a bit of clarity and also validation as well to how, how you're feeling for all that time. You know, it just, it, for me anyway, that's what it was, was validation as well. Yeah, that's it's something I can definitely relate to. It's, there's a an opening line that I use in my workshops when I'm in workshops with men and there's a photo of me and beside it is written, how the fuck did I get here? And yeah. <clears throat> that was a question that I had asked myself a day after some footage of me in a webcam chat room, webcam porn room chat room was exposed in my local area so I had an issue with porn addiction and again a lot of of that goes back towards the shame and insecurities I had towards myself but anyway the day after where my whole world felt like it was crumbling down around me I went out to the beach and sat in the car and asked myself that very question how the fuck did I get here because I never asked myself that question before perhaps just like yourself in terms of someone give you the information 
that was provided to you and then you started to ask questions about it. Oh, hang on a second. Maybe this feeling or my life or my emotions or what I'm going through right now is actually linked to something else that I've never considered before. So I, I took that question and I went way back to my childhood and understood that there were broken connections and a lot of anxiety in my, in my circle from a, a young age. I was separated from a lot of family members after the age of three. And I understood that I'd been looking for that broken connection all my life and I'd use porn to feel that connection or to feel the intimacy, the love, the attention that I received through those connections. So there's a massive void there that I was trying to, to fill. And it, it was a pivotal moment in my life. And like yourself, when you're given the information, now you know, you have the awareness yeah. and you can do something with it. And it puts you in a very powerful position where you can take finally take control of, yeah. of what's happening in your life and then take a step forward. And, mm. and for yourself, when you received this information and, and clarity, mm. where did you go from there? Yeah, that's a good question. And I was actually going to ask you the same question because I was just waiting for you to finish because I had the same question in my head. It's like, I mean, a lot of people say that. It's like, it's okay getting the information, but what do you do with it then? Yeah, it's how you deal with it. And I was going to ask you this, the same yeah. question. Um, I think, I suppose, maybe at the very beginning when I got the information, may, I know like it was validation for me and it was like a light bulb going off over my head, but also maybe in a strange warped way, I was kind of thinking, also oh, that's the reason. Like nearly, you can nearly just use that as a, as a crutch or something, go, oh, well, that's, that, that. no, obviously it's not that. And there's reasons why. And I've gone through all that with my therapist. And, you know, sometimes I'll leave some of that stuff with just me and my therapist. But um, I just was it, was, it was very important for me to be able to understand my thought process and to be able to love myself. Now, I know that sounds a bit simplistic, but when you've spent so long disliking yourself and you say to yourself, well, I couldn't even, any relationships I had as a kid or friendships I backed away or I didn't want to do things. Or like, I mean, the body dysmorphia, when I look back at it, controlled my entire life. It controlled my entire life. I was constantly thinking about how I looked. I was constantly worrying about how people are perceiving me. I was like, it would, I'd wake up in the morning and be the first thing I'd think of. And before you even get dressed, you're exhausted because you're thinking, what will I wear? Who will be there? Will I have to? Because I, to me, I would fixate and wait. I had on my lower back and I'd be like, if even if someone walked past me, I'd be like, please don't touch me in the lower back. I know sometimes someone walked past you or I don't, didn't want to lean forward or like even small things. Like, my friends would be going bowling. I'm like, well, I'm not going bowling because I didn't want to lean forward or throw the ball. Um, I was, I played in a snooker. For, you know, I played snooker and pool as a kid but I was in a snooker team I played in the club and I had to leave that because I just leaning over the table I felt if there was someone around the table they'd want to leave on like I mean it's ridiculous I know it's so irrational looking at it now but at the time you were trying to find things to make yourself feel a little bit more comfortable but of course nothing ever worked Would you have, would you have used clothes like really baggy clothes to cover that up? Yeah or, so or, I would and always And that didn't work? No so not really, no, because I still knew it was there. So, yeah, I would always try and find maybe a T-shirt where it was a bit looser at the back. But I think that's where the food came into it for me. So, and then I got really obsessed with um, exercise. But I I ended up living with binge eating disorder for a long, long time. 
So because I felt there was a lot of stuff about my looks I couldn't change, I felt maybe I could control the food. And then, so you'd, ha you'd, you know, you'd eat so much because you felt so bad about yourself. And then the guilt would start. So you'd want to purge the food back up. So I would do that. But then the guilt would start. And then, you know, it's just so, like, it's just so unhealthy that that becomes an obsessive as well because you're trying to obsess over something else to take your mind off your negative thoughts about yourself. And then you would obsess about the, the, the work, like exercise. And so you'd be thinking, you get one more and thinking, what time am I going to work out at? What type am I going to exercise I'm going to do today? Will it work? What supplements will I take today? What time will I have food at? What type of food will I have? What clothes will I wear? Do I have to go to the gym? Will there be girls at the gym? Or I'd go to the gym and I wouldn't do lift any weights because I didn't want to have to lean over to pick up any dumbbells off the ground. So I would try find machines in the gym where my back was f away from people. So, and it's like you're not even concentrating what you're doing because you're so worried about people. And then I stopped going to the gym. I started working out at home, Do you know. Start, start to isolate yourself. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And I didn't, I didn't want to go out anywhere and, and, and I didn't want to do anything. And then I know you asked me earlier on, like, you know, about uh, before we started recording, we were talking about like me as a father and that. And I, I have big regrets, obviously, from when I was, when my kids were, mu were, were, were much younger. Because, like, I, as I was so self or so isolated all the time, I didn't want to go out and do things. And I have a massive regret over that, where I feel I kind of missed out on a lot of things with my kids when they were younger. And then I look through old pictures of my phone or on my phone and I get quite emotional looking at them because I'm, you know, like, because you you just, you know, I remember the day, but I don't, I remember not being happy and being unhappy and not wanting to go and being uncomfortable while I'm there. Where now I'm like, when I spend time with my kids now, they get a much better version of me now. I'm present. And I, like, they, I, I know they appreciate it. They might not know it, but they do, if you know what I mean. And I appreciate it. And the time I spent with them now is just so much more valuable and so much better than before. But going back to the original question, about the, like, what do you do with the information? If I, if I wouldn't, I wouldn't be the dad I am now or the person I am now if I had to just put that information to one side. It's okay being given information. But if you don't know how to process it, and again, that's what I said earlier about me being able to kind of understand my thought process. Because I think... So, so many of us, especially when, like you say yourself and me, are so fixated on maybe flaws that you have. It's so easy to just think negatively about yourself and you just hardwire yourself to just automatically go to a negative thought about yourself. So you have to kind of retrain your, your mind and your thought process to be a bit more positive or at least to rationalize things better. And I think that's what I do now because of the learning I've done. How do you do that? Well, it, it depends on the situation. So like even now, if I have, if I start feeling negative about myself now in any way, I'll say to myself, well, I'll think about it and say, well, why am I feeling negative or what's the situation? And to me, I'll, what I'll say to myself now is, okay, that's probably, I use the word normal, but I know normal is the right word, but that's probably a healthy um, way to think 
because that's your body just trying to protect you and that's okay. Can you give us an example or a scenario? Um, probably like even clothes or something, for example, if I'm going out and I say before I'd be like pulling the wardrobe apart, trying to find a specific t-shirt I had or something or now I'm kind of like, look, it's okay. Like, just relax. Or I will give you actually a good example. I have one. So, but like, if I would go to a park or something before and I'd be constantly worried about everyone looking at me or, you know, you think, and now I'd say, like, if you went to the park today and you came home, would you be able to describe anyone you saw there in detail? The chances are probably not. And the chances are anyone else there will remember you is probably the same. Where before I'd fixate on that, now I'm kind of like, like, not, like people are living their own lives. People aren't really that, in, you know, that really kind of like interested. And then also I'll say to myself, Andy, like say the little bear mark, or Andy, it's just genetics. Everyone's different. It's just genetics. You know, so there's the small things that I will say to myself and I'll rationalize them much better. Mm-hmm. where, you know, I'm kind of like, okay, look, your day doesn't have to be ruined. It's okay to feel like this right now, but it'll pass and it's okay. And I think just giving myself a break is important as well, you know, rather than just berating yourself all the time, you know. And I think just, it's... Like, I still have bad days, okay? And, but what I'll do now is I'll embrace the bad day. I'll say to myself, look, it's all right. Just, you can have a bad day. That's fine. If you, if you want to just sit and relax and chill today, that's okay. Just do that. You know, and, and, do you know what I mean? So, and I won't let those days continue. Where before, like, the one day would roll into the next and you'd start getting worse and worse and worse. And now I'll allow myself to have a bad day. And I say, look, we'll start again tomorrow. Do you know what I mean? And it, it doesn't have to be a life sentence as long as you're just continually just kind of giving yourself a break. And I know that sounds simple, but if you're, as I said, if you're continually thinking negative about yourself all the time, it's fucking hard to just change that. Mm-hmm. But now, like I said, if you just try and just change a little few little thought processes every now and again, and just and it, it is just reminding yourself as well. It's just reminding yourself as well that, like, you're only human. You're only a person. Like, you don't have to be special. You don't have to. Every day doesn't have to be amazing. You can have bad days. You can wake up and say, I don't feel great today. And that's all right. That's actually okay. Do you know what I mean? And and another thing is, like, about the the men, like, the stigma and that. It's like, the amount of people I've had come to me since I started to open up, and I'm talking about people I've known for years, have all come to me, and the support I have had has been incredible. And you think to yourself about stigma and stuff, like, oh God, like, you know, I'll never tell anyone. You actually just open up and tell people. You'd be amazed how supportive people can be. I know you're nodding, so you're obviously, you know, but like, you say to yourself, why didn't I just share this with people sooner? Like, it's just, it's, it's so many things when I look back are just irrational. But for me, I'm like, well, at least I stopped it. Mm-hmm. I'm not, I'm a different person now. You know, it's better. I suppose the old term is better late than never. You know, I'm living my life now 
in a healthy way. Thank Christ. Yeah. You you also, by sharing your struggle, you remove the barrier for someone else to share theirs. It's mm, yeah. putting yourself in that vulnerable position. Yeah. Will allow them to step in. And I've, I've witnessed that in my own, not yeah. just from friendships or connect or real life connections, but through Instagram mm. where I share my story. And then there's a DM coming in from somebody that's struggling with something similar that I struggled with. And it opens up the conversation and connection. And because mm. like you said, you isolated yourself from people, from society. Yeah. Because of this incredible shame that you felt about yourself and shame not only about your body, but shame about how you felt about your body. And I think there's a huge epidemic of men feeling shame towards simply feeling. Yeah. And he self-stigmatized so much. I mean, you mentioned the DMs. I actually got a message. I'm just not going to say who it is, but someone quite prominent the other night on my Instagram. And I'd never spoken to them before. And they're like saying, because they listened to one of my uh, podcast podcasts, uh, episodes I did only a while ago and they were like your story resonates so much with me and it was female and I'm like like men and male and female like we all feel the same things we all get we all have the same feelings we all self-stigmatize okay there may be everyone's different and their originals you know their backstories could be different but how you feel is the same and how it makes you feel is the same and I think that's when men just think that it's like so much worse if you're a man. It's not. It's not. It really isn't. And then the other thing is, is that like when you when you isolate yourself and you feel lonely. So I, I'm sure you did as well, but I felt so lonely for so long. But if you don't tell people how you're feeling, how are they supposed to be able to help? I know it sounds very simple now, but at the time you're like, you know, like you, and you might start resenting people then thinking, oh, well, no one comes near me or no one says that. And I was like, well, yeah. no one's going to know how you feel if you don't tell them. Yeah. And then the amount of bridges I've built in the last few years with, you know, friends and acquaintances that I have, I had moved away from because of, you said, the shame and the stigma and all that type of stuff. And since I started sharing my story, I've rebuilt so many. I've got so much, so, so many more people in my life now from past and present just because I was able to share my story and people go wow okay we had no idea you were feeling like that for so long you know and you just feel like this even on Instagram you said like you know even people you don't know you feel like you're part of this community on Instagram where you'll get messages from people saying oh you know I feel the same or you get another message from someone saying oh yeah I'm your 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 inspiration or whatever these things and I know that you, I would never put myself worth with social media I know that but it's also sometimes nice to get those messages say okay people are you're, you know are listening or you're you are making a bit of a difference and you're sharing your story so for even me sharing my story even coming and chatting to you today it's quite therapeutic for me to do this it was hard at the beginning but it's quite therapeutic now to talk about this because I'm in a better headspace to be able to do that. Do you know what I mean? And hopefully someone listening to this will be able to resonate with what we yeah. both say. A lot, man. But I think <clears throat> with social media being as it is right now and everyone <clears throat> projecting their quote-unquote perfections, 
and their six-pack abs and their big chest and big arms. And Also, aside of that, I go to a gym every day. It's been part of my life for a very long time and nearly over, yeah, probably 15, 20 years. So I go to the gym there and I can identify that there are men in there who are only there because they feel such a level of shame and insecurity as to how they look and they're trying to change that through the exercises they're doing and the yeah. whatever they're doing outside the gym with food, nutrition, all these kind of things. And as I was listening to your story about body dysmorphia, there's also maybe a milder insecurity around your body. And and I interestingly had a conversation to, to two guys this morning. One guy is in his 50s, another guy is in his uh, late 30s, about how they're actually driven to go to the gym every day because of the insecurities or because of this sort of never enough itis, I would call it. So there's always like striving for improvement, striving for betterment, which you, you never attain because it's never enough. You, you, like deep down inside, you feel like you're never enough, despite the size of your pecs or your biceps. Mm-hmm. So the question I present here is, where would you draw the line in terms of body dysmorphia and insecurity? Because mm. I believe that there is a rise in body dysmorphia, but it's not been spoken about enough. Mm. You're the only person I've ever heard, and I've been on social media since 2014, mm. the only person I've ever heard talk about body dysmorphia. Yeah. I think there is a huge epidemic out there, body dysmorphia, especially, as I said, with the rise of social media mm. and projected bullshit perfectionism. Yeah, I know, yeah. So... Again, going back to that question, there's a line between body dysmorphia and insecurity. I think it all comes from self-worth as well. But there's like, there's like, there's body dysmorphia. I mean, like, there's muscle dysmorphia as well. And there's a few other dysmorphias as well that I, I wasn't even aware of until I heard one your day. I can't even remember the name of it. But there, there's a few. But, but then it comes down from self-worth, I think, anyway. And I think the whole thing, I think everyone is insecure at times. It's how you deal with it and it's how you process it. Right. So for me, the body dysmorphia, like even forget the term body dysmorphia. Let's just not call it that anymore. Right. Let's forget the term body dysmorphia. And let's just say I for a long time just didn't feel worthy. I didn't have any self-worth. I didn't have any self-respect for myself. I didn't have confidence. I felt all of these things. Right. But but it was all associated with how you seen yourself in the mirror. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. But I let that fester from maybe kind of like there are things from my childhood that I don't really want to get into but there are certain things from when I was younger maybe comments that that were made or certain relationships that I felt that you know could have been better or I could have you know something so I had a lack of self-worth and I I always felt I wasn't good enough and I always felt I was seeking approval and I always ended up being a people people pleaser. So I think it completely depends on the person's backstory. But it also depends on how you process, how you look. So that's what I was saying to you earlier on. Now, if I look myself in the mirror and I'm having a bad day or, you know, whatever, because I, I go <laughs> a picture this morning because I was going to put, I had my own podcast and I was going to take a picture 
And I looked at myself, my eyes looked really tired and I just didn't feel I looked great. And I was like, eh, that's all right. And then you're, and off I go. Before that would have destroyed me, right? So I felt a little bit insecure this morning and coming out today. And you asked me for an example earlier, so I suppose that's one. But once I was in the car and then the road, I forgot about it. I'm like, oh, it's grand. My eyes will be okay in a little while. And that's what I mean about that. I felt a little bit insecure, but I can deal with it better now and I can process it better and I can manage those negative those negative thoughts better now. The body dysmorphia would completely rule my whole life. So I'd look in the mirror and I, I would, I, okay, my eyes might be there, but then I'd be looking, well, the shirt doesn't look great on you. Um, and I'd be thinking, okay, so let's just have let's just use this as an example. So I'd be looking at so I know people can't see this, but we've got cameras here, right? So I'd be like, okay, where are the cameras gonna be pointing? Are they gonna be pointing at my side view? Because I don't like my side profile. What pictures are gonna go up on social media? Is this you know, all these type of things. And I would have been really, really anxious. And I probably I wouldn't have come anyway. I wouldn't have done it. How I used to feel, I wouldn't have done it anyway. Now I'm kind of like you're just a person, Keith. Like, just, you know, it's really not that important. And I think that's where the insecurity for me will stop. And the body dysmorphia would take over. Where you start catastrophizing everything. And your whole world feels like it's you're just in this little bubble of negativity. And you're just, you're never getting out of it. Do you know what I mean? And... The, the social media thing is just, I mean, I grew up in the 80s. Oh, I'm still in the 90s as well. I was born in early 80s and I was lucky that I grew up with no social media, right? I'm Because if I had I had social media, how I was feeling, oh, I don't even want to know. I don't even want to think about how I would have been. So the whole... There is, a, there, there is an epidemic with social media now and this projection of perfection that's just not realistic. And that's why I think a lot of people will resonate with your story and mine is because we don't just promote positivity because it's just not realistic. Do you know what I mean? It's like we have our bad days and I will always say, I will share when we're having a bad day when I'm having a good day because I'm, I'm human. We all have them. Do you know what I mean? I am insecure still. Of course I am. And you are too. I'm sure everyone is. But you still manage to get through your day and be productive as much as you can. But Christ Almighty, like the social media. I mean, for me, I just, I've eradicated all that from my social media now. So I like I always say that to people and I've given a couple of talks and just on social media to a couple of colleges and I say that to them. It's your social media pages. They're your channels. Just filter out the stuff you don't want to see. You can only do so much, but just get rid of it. Filter out the stuff that's making you feel bad. You know, you don't you don't have to see. I know algorithms and all that will kind of sh show some stuff, but you can only do your best. You know, but like I do think the conversation is getting better for men, slightly. But I do. I think that a conversation for mental health for men is much better now. It's much better. The whole body positivity thing is, um, it's still a good bit behind. As you said, you've not really heard of anyone else talking about body dysmorphia than me. I haven't either. I've had a few conversations with 
you know, from, you know, from some guys and some prominent people in the media and they don't really talk about it. They do. I know one guy does a little bit, but it's not great. And it's really kind of distressing as well, you know, especially for, we were talking earlier about schools and, you know, when you have to really, you know, talk to kids when they're younger. I think, I think, um, the interesting thing is, is that those men, let's 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 say men, who are projecting this bullshit perfectionism on mm-hmm. Instagram, are the very ones who may be actually suffering from body dysmorphia or from an incredible insecurity with their bodies. Mm-hmm. And I know for a fact that steroid use is rife at the moment, and it starts in school. 15, 16 year old boys taking this stuff that they have no education about and their friends are taking it and then there's a peer pressure of them taking it. It's funny, I actually did a radio interview with Jen Zamparelli a few years ago based on that very issue. There was a boy that wrote into the radio station that all his friends were taking steroids and he felt pressurized into taking it as well but he didn't want to do it and he was 16. So... Again, I believe that a lot of those men projecting this perfect body, six-pack abs, biceps, all the rest of it, are the ones who actually are seeking validation and approval from others in order yeah. for them to feel better about themselves. Yeah, completely agree. Yeah, 100%. 100%. Um, I've had two conversations with schools. Um, one briefly this morning, one, another, well, actually it was a college before, and they were talking about that, and that's when, that's when the muzzle dysmorphia, because I ended up going to body-wise, and I remember speaking to them, and it was actually them who said it to me about muscle dysmorphia. And I was like, wow, okay, that's, right. That, that's a whole separate thing? No, it's part of body dysmorphia, but it's kind of more specific. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? So you've got body dysmorphia, but then muscle dysmorphia is it's pretty much the same thing, but it's just more focusing on um, on how you look, rather, or, or sorry, like kind of building, you know, as in your physique. Yeah. So body dysmorphia can be classed in kind of like, it's... It's about flaws that you see in yourself. So it's not necessarily about your body weight. It can be about your body shape. Do you know what I mean? So you might not like your nose. You might not like your jaw. Like say, I, for me, when I, was, when I was younger, I had a mixture. So I didn't like, I felt I had a weight on my belly and I had weight on my lower back. But I also didn't like my jawline. I didn't like my wrists. I thought my wrists were skinny. I didn't like my calves. I didn't like my hairline. I didn't like the, the bear mark on my ear. So... And I, I, like I said, I'd go from top to bottom and I would list on my fingers the things I didn't like. And I would do that like, pretty much every day. So the body dysmorphia is kind of like it's your weight and it's also your shape. And it's obviously, it's, it's about how you, how you, how you f- kind of fixate on your flaws. But it's how you think other people perceive you as well. Do you know what I mean? Where the muscle dysmorphia is obviously, you know, like you just want to you know, bulk up and you feel like you're too skinny and you want to, well, yeah, I've been there. Yeah, oh, look, I've been <laughs> yeah. there too. Like, I mean, I've, I, as I said earlier about me being obsessed with exercise for so long, and that was part of it. And I was saying to you about the, the, the supplements and you've got all the, the creatine and you want to, you know, the, the, the protein and the amino acids and you take, I know amino acids are good, but you know, all these type of things, you'd be listening to them out and you go down a rabbit hole. Were you, were you ever tempted to take steroids? Um, yeah, but I don't like needles. Okay. <laughs> I know you could probably Good. get, I know yeah. you can get them in other ways probably, but I've never taken steroids, but I've taken the creatine, the protein, I've taken 
all the, the kind of all in all the supplements Ch- Ch- chicken broccoli and rice uh, it, yeah diet, you'd yeah. live on that for a month exactly yeah and that's fine but for me doing all of that was pointless because I wasn't dealing with the root cause yeah surface level again the surface level exactly what it is and the muscle dysmorphia is obviously it's the social media it's they want to look a certain way but they're not feeling a certain way so I used to, I, people are probably sick of me saying this but this, this is the this is the truth for me when I stopped exercising to affect how I looked and started to affect how I feel is when I started to be more comfortable in my own skin. Do you know? So I just stopped. And and the thing is that if you start exercising and you're dieting, you obviously feel better. But obviously how you look is a byproduct of that then. It'll yeah. all just come together and you just feel better about yourself. But when you're just working on the surface level stuff and the... The, the deep-rooted cause aren't being addressed, then you're never going to get anywhere, which is the mm-hmm. spiral we talked about was what I always felt I was in. You're, w- you're, you're valuing other people's opinions more so than valuing what yeah, exactly. is and important that's, to you. Yeah, yeah, that's exactly with it. Yeah, you've nailed, nailed the head there. And then also, yeah, and you've got the people please and stuff as well because, you, you know, you want validation from people. And it's the same when it, when it came to um, kind of relationships as well. You know, you'd want to, you, you wouldn't set boundaries. You'd be kind of, yeah, you know, your values weren't there. You would just do what they wanted to do. And I'm talking about when I was younger as well. I mean, I'm, you know, it's just, you're just, you're not all in. You're not there. And when you start to appreciate yourself more. So I'll give you an example. So in the last few years, once I started to love myself, I can start, I can start open up and I can embrace love from other people. But you could never do that if you don't love yourself. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? You just can't. I've been there as well. Exactly. I mean, that the, the, you're talking about being the nice guy and mm. the nice guy has no boundaries. The nice guy does not go all in on relationships because he'd be afraid that his insecurities and his flaws would be completely exposed and he has mm. a level of shame around how he feels. Yeah. So again, <clears throat> a massive foundation of shame that, yeah. that creates this relationship yeah. with yourself and then that obviously and the same follows in, on to the relationships with others. Yeah, that's exactly it. And I was sorry, and it was the same in my professional life as well, which was when I say in 2016 when my anxiety exploded. That was the same. You know, the, you feel like your flaw, your 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 flaws, you're, like you're going to get found out. You're not all in. You feel insecure. It's So the professional and personal life, they kind of mirrored each other. Maybe you're the same because it's, it's the same feeling you're getting. The same real causes aren't being addressed. So you can get up every morning and go to work and you come home and, you know, your family life or whatever, but you're, the real causes aren't being addressed. So all the other stuff is going to have the same outcome anyway. You know, same with the gym, the surface level stuff. You know, like yeah. I, have, I have a nephew who was like 16 and like, I, you know, I've tried to talk to him and I will talk to him, but like, the, like talk, the, talk to him now. Talk to him now, yeah. Well, look, and I have talked to him, and the thing is, is that, and it is only when I got older that I realized it's genetics. You can work out as much as you like, but as you said, it'll only be surface level stuff. And if you're not happy within yourself, how you look on the outside, it's not going to help how you feel on the inside. And to, like, and that's something I just never really understood. How do you begin to create that happiness within yourself from your own perspective? Good question. Um, it took a it took a lot of 
conversations with my therapist. Um, and obviously a lot of work on myself. I think it's hard. I, yeah, it's a good question. I don't really know. I mean, education, as I said earlier on, was a big one for me. You know, I think I I think I needed to not nearly not latch on to something. I needed something to be able to validate how I was feeling all those years. Um, and then I could understand myself better. I know I'm not really answering the question directly there because it is kind of difficult because, like I said, I did a lot of what happened to me at the beginning was nearly, um, it just happened, but obviously happened for a reason. So it took me kind of like nearly been two years, near, nearly kind of working on myself in a, in, a, in a, you know, properly wor working on myself. And I'm not there yet, but I'm getting there. So to answer your question, I'm still trying to figure that out. Aren't we all? <laughs> yeah, the, you know what I mean? Exactly. I'm still trying to figure out how you create that level of happiness. Oh, we, we could call it self-acceptance? That's, yeah, exactly. But how do you start accept yourself? And I guess... Like I said to you earlier on, is the, the the negative thought patterns that I had. So when I started to say to myself, they're so irrational, and you start to break them down. And also, once you start realizing what you actually have accomplished and what you have in your life. So gratitude has been massive for me. Gratitude has been really a big part of me being able to accept myself. I've got three beautiful kids. I'm healthy. I have a brain that sometimes I use it. <laughs> I, I, you know. You've survived everything you've gone through. Like yeah. Despite the difficulties and the hardships of the yeah. condition that you had, you're here and you, and you have the strength and courage to share it now with others. Exactly. Exactly. Uh, yeah. Like resilience is probably a good way of putting that maybe. And when you start actually listing down the things that you are grateful for, I suppose that's when you start to accept yourself saying that Jesus I'm actually I'm a, a, a good person mm -hmm. I actually you know I try and do my best every day I don't go out to hurt anyone I try my best to help people I try to be the best dad I can I try and be the best friend I can I've got one sister I try and be the a good brother she's probably laughing now listening to that but I think when you start breaking it down and listen to things that you are grateful for. And I'll repeat myself, but I suppose to me that was probably a big one. Have you forgiven yourself? Yeah. You have? Yeah. How? Again, gratitude. And looking back and saying that you were young. Well, you were young and then I got older, but like I was, I was just trying to protect myself from my thoughts. You talk about feeling regret towards what you feel like you deprived your children of when you were younger or when they were younger. Yeah, I mean, look, I have regrets, but what I say now, and I've said this in lots of interviews and blogs I write and all is that I don't do regrets anymore. I have regrets, but I don't have any new regrets. 
So I'm, <laughs> I'm very uh, emotional now. I'm very in touch with my feelings now. It's probably gone too far the other way. I've probably cried three times in the last week or so, but... Good. Yeah, no, but it, I'm, I'm, I'm laughing I'm, I'm actually jealous that you can do something like that, yeah, because... Yeah, I might even cry now, but, yeah. like, I I just... Like, I, do, I don't... I don't want to be the way I used to be because that causes regrets, and then that causes the negative thoughts, and then that causes the... You know, where you start to... The spiral. Yeah, exactly, yeah. So now I've said to myself, and that's one thing I say all the time, no more regrets. That's what I say to myself all the time. I set my boundaries. I try and be a good person. You know, I'm. if I have a, an emotion, I'll embrace it, whether it's good or bad, and then I'll, and then I'll, I'll, I'll let it go. You know, I don't let it fester, you know. Um... I think that's kind of been where my self-acceptance has really kind of benefited me. You've been able to let go? I've been able to let go. And that was massive for me as well. Just being able to let go of all of that and go, look. And I kind of roughly touched on this at the start of this podcast when I was saying about I wouldn't be where I am now without all of that. Obviously, I wish I didn't have to go through that, but I did. And as you rightly said a few minutes ago, and same as you, you're here, you've got through it, you're a better person for it. And every single decision I've made has led me to right this second, sitting here opposite you, and you're the same. All Any decisions, whether they're good or bad, that we've made has led us to here right now, having this conversation, hopefully helping men and women understand things a little bit better. Now, if we hadn't gone through all of them things, maybe we wouldn't be sitting here having this. I don't know. You don't know. Nobody knows. But you have to let that go, as in the negative part of it go, and say, I'm a better person for all of that. Mm-hmm. And, and, you're, I, and you're helping others become better yeah. because you've gone through that betterment process yeah. and you've lived the experience and, you're, and you, you've lived the struggles that many men out there at the moment are dealing with, I'm sure. Mm. There's men listening to this going, fuck, I think I've got body dysmorphia or muscle dysmorphia. Some of these symptoms are very relatable to me. Yeah. Something they've never actually acknowledged before. Yeah. And the thing is, there's treatment for it. There is answers for it. I mean, CBT works for it or helps. It doesn't work for everyone. It'll help. There's medication out there that will help you just kind of just, you know, just be able to manage your feelings better and be able to talk about it then. Like, it's not a, it doesn't, it's not a life sentence. It doesn't have to be. I mean, I'm still dealing with it now, and I'm still, but like, it's not what it was. I can look at it in a healthier version, or a healthier way now. And that's what I would say to men, if you're feeling like this. It does, like this time, next month, you could be feeling better. Next mm-hmm. time tomorrow, you could be feeling better. It doesn't have to be like that. All you need is a little bit of education and talk to someone. Some of these men are imprisoned by their own thoughts and insecurities or dysmorphia. Mm. So if they're locked in that prison, Mm. what would be the key that you would offer them to open that door and to step forward? That's potentially work for yourself too. Gratitude. Just be grateful for who you are. 
stand in front of the mirror and instead of listing the things you don't like about yourself, list the things that you are grateful for. And you'll soon start to realize that you being in this world is a good thing. Because for so long, I didn't want to be here. I didn't want to be around. I just didn't want to be around anymore. Now I do. Now I want to be here. I want to make new memories with my kids. You know, I want to share love with other, with someone else. I want to embrace love from someone else. I want to be healthy. I want to be happy. And just, you know, if you stand in front of the mirror and say them things to yourself, stand in front of the mirror and say what you actually want, not how you feel, what you want. And knowing that you deserve them. And knowing that you deserve them, absolutely spot on. That's exactly what it is. And know you deserve them. It, you know, it'll really start to sink in. Because like I said, when you've trained your mind for so long to think negatively, you need to start training your mind to start thinking positively about yourself. Now, you can't just flick a switch. I'm not going to sit here and go to someone... You know, it's not, you know, like the skies aren't going to open up and the sun's going to start beaming down on you and butterflies are going to fly past. But that darkness in your head and the, the minds, the dark mindset you have will start to ease. I can guarantee you that. Even your conversation is actually, in a way, flicking a switch for people in their lives today because they've finally got some light on yeah. the struggles that they've been struggling with. Yeah. And, and trying to deal with for the last while. Like you it. think, yeah, exactly. But you think about it, like I've gone from, say, from age 13 to, to 40, feeling like this. And now I don't. Like, if you think I can get, like, and I'm not special in any way, but I've, I've had my negative thoughts for that amount of time and I've been able to change them. So you can as well. I mean, I'm not special. I'm not a genius. I'm not any way better than anyone else. I just want to be here now. Mm. I want to grow as a person. I want to be a better person. You have to want to do this. For a long time, I didn't. But once, like I said earlier on, once I learned that how I was feeling was there was a condition for that. And it wasn't necessarily my fault. But I can actually grab onto that and go, well, it might not have been my fault, but I can actually kind of steer this the right way now. I can actually kind of take hold of this and make myself better. We've got we've got fathers listening to this podcast as well who have sons, daughters. What can we do as as parents to help our our children? Yeah. What the difficulties of social media and mm. perceived perfectionism out there at the moment? What are some, and for yourself as a father, what are some of the habits that you're instilling to help them develop a level of self-worth that's going to mm. allow them to prosper in life? I'm very aware now of what to say and what not to say. I'm very aware of comments that get made around them and I'll make sure I put a stop to that straight away if comments get made to them. And I don't mean on purpose, I mean like some people, and it's, it's a generational thing as well. So the generation before us and before them, they're just not used to how we think about things and they're not used to, you know, how kind of maybe politically correct they think we are. So a lot of stuff will get said and I do always pull people up now 
And again, I wouldn't have done that before. The, these are the boundaries that I'm talking about now where you set and I set them for myself and my children. So I'll always correct someone if they say something around them and then I'll talk to my kids and try and explain it to them. Um, there's so much education out there for them now. Like my friend has wrote a, has a, a workbook about uh, body positivity and I've actually gave my kids one each. So there's so much more out there now for kids and then there's talks in schools and like my friend does goes in and talks to schools. And then the social media, like, I mean, for my kids, they're quite young. Um, we have filters on their phones and they only, like, say, if, like, so my son is 11, he has an iPhone, so I'll, I have an iPhone, I kind of track his stuff and he has to ask me and then I, so it, their phones are fairly it's boundaries again, isn't it? Yeah, it's yeah. just boundaries on the phone. And again, the two girls, they have their phones, but they're they're only allowed on at certain times and there's only certain things they can look at. So you look, you can only do your best and you can only put in as many boundaries as you can. But I think once you're aware of these things, that's half the battle. Not burying your head in the sand and pretending other grand, sure look, you know? Mm -hmm. And... Also, and I know you're going to be you're talking to Richard at some stage, and I talked to him before, and he had a brilliant analogy for me, and he said he well, he talked to his own daughters, and he was saying to them a great a great way to look at it is if you're a kid, and you just say if someone says something negative negatively to you, you you say I don't believe you, and I just thought when Richard he said that to me, I'm like wow, it's so simple, but. You, you know, like you just if someone says something negative, you just you just don't believe them. Mm-hmm. You don't have to believe it's their opinion. It's not the truth. It's just someone else's opinion. And you say, I don't believe you. I think his daughter had something in school, and she said that to someone. She says, I don't believe you. Yeah. And I just thought it was a brilliant way for a child to respond to something. I don't believe you. Now this is the podcast actually this morning, and he said it only hurts if you believe it. It only hurts <laughs> if you believe it. That's exactly yeah. it. Yeah. And it's like, but it isn't, isn't he right though? It's like, and again, that's probably what we were talking about earlier on about um, kind of like starting to accept yourself better. So you start, to, you start to say to yourself, well, if I start believing these things, you, like you're never going to get, mm-hmm. you're never going to get anywhere. But if you say to, you know, I don't believe you. I, I genuinely don't believe you. And that's why... And here's the thing about when you look in the mirror now and say, like, look in the mirror now and you might have a bad day. I'm like, and my, you know, your negative thoughts start to come into your head. I'll say to myself, no, I don't believe you. Yeah, that was actually my next question. And my, was it? Yeah. My final questions is like, when you look in the mirror now, what do you see? Because you have a lot of insecurities around your body and mm. your your lower back is seems mm. to have been a, an area of, of mm. incredible insecurity for you. Yeah. So you're standing there in your shorts at boxers in, in the Myrna. What do you see or how do you see yourself? How do you sort of challenge the thought process that comes up there that could be quite negative? Yeah. Um, I kind of look at it now in a more of a holistic approach. So I look at myself in the mirror and I'll say, um, I don't necessarily look at how I look now, if you know what I mean. I kind of think to how I feel about myself. Mm. So feel about how you look. Yeah, exactly. So I, 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 I've accepted myself now, and I have self worth. And I, so in other words, 
and this is going to sound real cheesy now, but like, I look at myself more than skin deep. It's what's underneath. It's not cheesy. Yeah. Well, I might use that again. So, but I, you know, I look at myself as a person. For more than just your your body, your 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 skin, your muscles, your yeah. definition. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I look at myself and in the mirror and I'll, you know, and I'll say, wow, you're, like, you're actually doing really well. You're looking at, as you said, you're still here. You're looking at yourself. So all that stuff. But if you constantly kind of just training yourself to think like that, I look at I, I look at myself and I see a reflection of myself back in the mirror. But I what I see is a person now. Mm. I don't see f- the flaws. Whereas your your body would have been your complete identity, and and mm. I think is for a lot of men in today's yeah. world, your body yeah. is your identity. My my personality, my values, my 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 core beliefs are my identity, not my skin, not my shape. You know, like you can. It's mm-hmm. just there's so much more to me, to you, to everyone else. There's so much more to people than just their reflection. Like I, I know we're probably running a lot of time, but I used to always say, and I still like when I was younger, I hated my shadow. And you've probably heard me saying that before. I used to look down at my reflection or my shadow on the ground, and I hated the silhouette of my shadow. That's how irrational my thoughts were. You hated your own shadow. Do you know what I mean? But like now, as you said, I look in the mirror and I don't see a shadow or a reflection. I see a person standing there of worth, self-worth, who's, who, who's worthy of happiness, who's worthy of being healthy, who's worthy of being loved by someone else. And it's just, it just kind of changes everything. Hopefully. Brilliant, man. Well, you've given others the, the courage to see themselves as more than skin deep today with your story and please continue to do the work you do because as I said you're the only person out there I've heard talking about body dysmorphia and I believe deep down that it is a a huge epidemic and if it isn't already it's going to become one I see it in the gym every day I see it on social media obviously I'm in that space so Keith thank you for sharing your story and and for coming here today and for anyone who wants to reach out to you know more about you you've always you've got a podcast as well please let us know where they can find you and potentially get in touch or just follow your content for some additional value. Yeah, I mean, like I, my website's theendlessborrel.com and it's I am Keith Russell on social media pretty much everywhere. And I'm usually up on social media doing something. So brilliant, yeah. I am Keith Russell. Yeah, it's, it's brilliant, man. Selfies, yeah, yeah. It's us. like, I am the man. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Keith, it's been a pleasure, man. Thank you. You're very welcome. Thanks for having me.